Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get into the music. Today's show is brought to you in part by Luthier's Workshop in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Luthier's Workshop is renowned for superior stringed instrument repairs and restorations, as well as top shelf service. Luthier's Workshop sells new and used guitars, accessories, and an assortment of new and vintage gear. You can find them at luthiersworkshop.com and check out their online shop only on Reverb.com. And now, let's get into the music. Well, hello everyone. This is Rob and welcome to the show. If you haven't heard Kurt Gunn, you're in for a treat. Kurt's a singer-songwriter who goes deep with his craft and whether he's performing solo, in the duet of Girl and the Gun, or with a band, He's consistently solid, soulful, and genuine. So with that, I welcome Kurt Gunn to the program. How are you doing today, Kurt? Good. How are you doing, Rob? I'm doing great. Thanks. Now, you have a wonderful career, (laughs) and I want to bring this out to the world. So to start, give us the rundown of your career in a nutshell. How did you get your start, and who were your influences at that time? Oh boy. And so in a nutshell, um, I have, uh, I'm still friends with him, Brad Bordini. He took some guitar lessons and now we're talking more like 15 and 16 years old. And, uh, he took a month's worth of lessons and then taught me what he had learned. <laughs> so I kind of picked it up from there. And then we, we kind of started this, uh, acoustic duo called commonplace and with the four or five chords that we knew we ran into a gentleman named jim campbell uh they they call him soup he played monday nights at a place called razzmatazz by uh, luthier's workshop there on shane street and he would just let us uh get up and play you know he did he did a like an open mic night and then um He'd let us get up and play, and uh, we'd play like four songs, and then he would, uh, the next time we'd come out there, you know, he'd let us play like a half an hour, and then, you know, we'd be like, uh, we got a drummer, you know, maybe can we bring our drummer, and, you know, next thing we know, we're doing half the night, and then if he needed a night off, we'd fill in. So we kind of got our start at a bar called Razzmatazz, and kind of went from there, the acoustic duo turned into a a full band i think at its highest point had six members um and then that kind of dissolved and then i started the solo thing along that line i met amanda and we started doing the duo as girl and the gun and then i had some good friends that uh if i want to do a full band show that make up the kirk gun band and and that's kind of brings us to today i guess in a nutshell Great. Now, the artist's description on your Bandcamp page reads, A pure songwriter, equally informed and introspective, a talented guitarist and composer from a climate that compels musicians to devote compassion to their craft. From solo performer to band leader, with a style alternately whimsical and weighted, Gun's range will draw you in and keep you in his crosshairs. Now, I got to say that that's very accurate, especially (laughs) 
I like the part about compelling musicians to devote compassion to their craft, which is something that I really find lacking in a lot of music today. Can you want yeah. you want to speak into that? Sure. Yeah. The bio that I have is written by a friend, Matty Day, and he was with the Prigs and and all sorts of bands, um, bass player. And uh, I always felt awkward writing my own bio. I'd just done like a interview with him for, I forget what, who he was writing for at the time. Might've been the scene or something like that. And I, I asked him if he would write me a bio. And so I credit him for coming up with that. But um, I feel like he was pretty spot on. I agree with you in the fact that as far as mainstream music, I don't think you get a lot of the, uh, people are just kind of around for the song, you know? And the people that I play with and the people that I listen to locally, they're all, you know, it's, it's an art for them. They're not making like a song, they're making an album and they're putting everything into that. Um, most of my albums have a theme, a common theme or, that's wrapped around it. And I think it's just more of like, the musicians of the of the 60s you know when when a record label would give you four or five albums to to kind of find yourself you know and i don't think that's done anymore so yeah everything about it is the people i choose to play with and the people that choose to play with me you know as far as bass players like chris hannaway he's not trying to be anything else he's playing the bass and he's doing it the best and he's playing to the song He's not showing off. He's not, and he could, he could stand up there and do bass solos all night, but he's, he's playing to the song because that's what musicians do. Hopefully that answers it. Sure. Now, also, according to your Bandcamp page, I count you as having 13 recording projects to your credit and they date back to 2008, I think. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you looked, it's gotta be true. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. There's well, a few sing singles in there, maybe a couple EPs. Uh, if they're on Bandcamp, then yes. Okay. Well, how have you changed as a writer, a musician, and a vocalist since you started recording? Well, okay. So if you go back to 08, it's more like uh, chord-heavy songs, bar chords, and just kind of like bashing away at, a, at an acoustic guitar, which is kind of what we used to do back then like i forgot to comment on the influences uh you know when i started we were all into dave matthews and all that kind of stuff so you know we were trying to play like them and also being an acoustic duo in the bar scene without a drummer or bass player you're you're trying to fill a lot of void space so you would play more chord heavy stuff which to me, that first album is, is very dated, but I guess that's what it's all about. It's all part of the experience, you know. But I think I've changed right around uh, after that album. I started getting more into finger style on guitar and um, trying to find a melody um, within finger picking. And so it's changed in that sense in my guitar playing. As far as vocals, I think it just became a more mature singer. You know, they talk about your what is it, your thousand hours or whatever, you know, I've, right. you do something for 20 years, it's like you're bound to get a little better at it. So I like to think that my voice is, has changed over time. The songwriting has just changed with, you know, more life experience, I guess. And 
And it's funny because I, I was actually just thinking about this the other day about how, how I can't necessarily, like I'll look at an album like Long Drive to Nowhere and I'll, you know, I'll put that out in 17 or 18, I can't remember. And I'll say to myself, I can't, I wish I could write something like Queen again or Let It Go or, you know, whatever else is on there. But it's like, I can't find my way back to that space that I was in at that time. So I, I have no other choice but to, I guess, evolve, for lack of a better word. Like, um, I like to think that each album that I do is different than the one before. And it's not necessarily by choice. It's just that I can't do what I already did. My mind won't allow me to do it, you know. Well, that's cool that you're pushing your boundaries and you're growing as an artist as you go along. Yeah, well, you try to. I mean... Anyone could just kind of try to find what works and keep doing it. But I, I guess I get, we get bored, you know. And maybe, you know, the listener might say, well, you know, Kurt, you're full of it because all your stuff does is sound the same. But <laughs> I don't think it does, you know. I found plenty of variation in your material. And, um, you know, there's steps along the way. Yeah, you're Kurt Gunn. There are going to be certain aspects that are going to remain consistent. But... Yet within that context, you've come up with a body of work that's really varied. Yeah, thank you. I feel I have as well, you know. Uh, there's a lot of depth and uh, different emotions or whatever you're kind of looking for. Um, you can choose an album, I guess, and for the mood you're in, you know. <laughs> right. And related to that, your lyrics are sort of like, small movie scenes really um at least in my mind where do you draw your ideas from um you know i always kind of joke that i just pull it from the well but there always just seemed to be water in it you know and sometimes there isn't and uh, i think what the main thing is you just don't freak out and have faith that there'll be water again and that's kind of where I'm at right now. But I don't really know how it happens, to be honest with you. The words just seem to come to me. I observe wherever I am, whatever I'm doing, I'm observing what's going on around me. And then I'll recall it, you know, uh, a certain situation that I'm in. I'll be like, wow, this is a good theme for a song or... If I hear uh, a clever saying or something, like a, a lot of times old timers say like really cool stuff, you know, that you don't hear a lot. And instead of just, you know, shaking it off, I'll throw it in my phone. I have every notebook that I've ever written in um, since I was 14 or 15 years old, um, still in my possession that I can go to hundreds of songs on my phone that I can go to and song ideas. So there's no shortage, I guess, of ways to find something. Well, then I would say that that uh, analogy of the well is pretty accurate. <laughs> yeah. I posted a song or something. I, a lot of times I'll, if I have a song idea, or I'll write something new. Maybe like on the, the first take or something, I'll take a video of it and I'll throw it on Facebook just to kind of gauge 
the reaction and someone had commented on there once how deep is the well that you pull from and so like i was saying before like when someone says something that catches you know you kind of hang on to it for a later date and uh yeah that's kind of what i thought it was a good analogy myself so now you alluded to the track let it go from the long drive to nowhere album a little bit earlier and it's one of your harder edged and more atmospheric tunes really uh what can you tell us about it well that was actually an older song most of the material that i wrote for long drive to nowhere was done in the span of about a a week that my wife and kids were uh they went to branson for a few days i had the house to myself so i was able to knock out quite a bit of new tunes in that time frame but i had when i was going to put the album together felt it needed a couple songs and i had a few in storage and that was one of them so that album was uh mark goldie at rock garden studio kind of took that um we we tracked the guitar acoustic guitar bass and drums and vocals and then he just asked if he could have the album and do what he wanted to it i could care less for that end of of things the whole production and trying to make you know i want this person to play this and i don't i don't it's not my uh not my lane so i i try to stay out of it so mark i give him credit for taking that song and making it what it is you know he brought in a gentleman by the name of michael howard that does the guitars on that track i've never met him but yeah he did an outstanding job you know the guitar playing like you said atmospheric is very spacey and uh it really changed the song it turned it into a kind of a different animal than what you know the original song was even yeah it's an incredible track and we're going to play it right now so from kurt's long drive to nowhere album here's let it go
Folks, I want to take a minute to give a shout out to Jasper Guitar Company in Green Bay, Wisconsin. If you're a guitarist or a bassist, you owe it to yourself to try out one of these instruments. They combine the best build quality with patented technology to deliver instruments with tons of resonance and longer sustain than you'll find in most guitars. Heck, they even had NASA acoustic and vibration engineers verify it. So check out Jasper Guitars at jasperguitarcompany.com. Now, you've done some collaborating with Amanda James as a duo called Girl and the Gun. How does the dynamic change for you in a situation like when you're in this duo compared to when you're flying solo? As it is with when you're playing with other people, you have to be aware that you're playing with other people. You know, so with her and she plays the cajon 
So I, I'm playing with someone, so it has to be a little bit more structured. We've been playing together long enough that we can get away with being a little more loose now and again, and we get better at that kind of each year that we stack on. But I guess with like solo, I have the freedom to play whatever I want to play, whenever maybe it's a song that only I know, I could play it. Maybe I want to sing it differently. I could do that. No one's harmonizing with me. I enjoy that freedom. I would say 90% of the shows that we do are Girl and the Gun. And we take most of the stuff that I do and then change it to fit the duo. See it at a solo show, it's going to sound like this. If you see it at a duo show, it's going to sound like the duo. And in a full band show, it's going to sound like it's the song will be presented to you three different ways. And it's that none of them are going to really sound the same. So there's a lot of freedom in doing it things that way. And it keeps things interesting. It keeps me thinking. I enjoy being by myself sometimes. I enjoy playing with the band now and again. And I enjoy playing with the duel. But if you did any one of them full time, I don't know how much I would enjoy it. So that's kind of how I operate. And so far, I like doing things that way. Right. Variety is the spice of life. Yeah. Now, in my last two shows, I've had Tom Thiel and Chris Hanaway on, and they've been integral to your career. And really, the way that paths cross here in the Northeast Wisconsin music scene, there's a lot of cross-pollination going on. How has that impacted you? I'm very fortunate and thankful for the players that I've had the opportunity to play with. And I think they're they're some of the best musicians, um, not only in the Valley, but the state, you know, and like Tom Thiel, I thought for sure. I remember asking, he had posted something on Facebook that, you know, he kind of just gotten into doing the singer songwriter thing. And he posted a picture of his electric guitar and said, you know, I miss playing lead. And I was kind of short a lead player at the time. And so I just kind of reached out to him and said, hey, you want to do some shows with my band? Thinking that he would just probably say no. And he ended up saying yes. He's just amazing. Chris Hanaway I've been playing with for so long. I don't even remember like when we started playing together. But he's hands down just the best bass player I've ever played with. And... uh, Rick Armstrong, Woody Larson, Luke Heckle, uh, played with Underwood, Danny Waters. I mean, just I've played with some some serious players. And it's kind of funny to me because I have no clue what I'm doing, you know? And it's like, I can't read music. I don't know what key my songs are in. I don't know any of that stuff. And for these, I call them real musicians, to choose to play with me is, is very humbling. And it's a cool feeling. They're amazing. The Valley is just, the talent is mind-boggling sometimes. It is. The more that I'm exposed to the talent that we have here, it's really mind-blowing. You know, I came from the Madison music scene, which was very rich, you know, and and you've got, you know, the background down there is obviously you've got bands like Garbage, coming out of Madison, you know, yeah. Butch Vig, you had Smart Studio. And now up here, I think the current culture in the Valley, Green Bay, 
it is so rich and there are certain hubs within the area like Rock Garden Studio or Luthier's Workshop. Places like that where all these roads seem to intersect. Yeah. You know everyone, basically, you know? Mm -hmm. I always hear people say it's like a mini Nashville. And, and, you know, I've never been in the Nashville scene, so I can't speak for that. But I know that it feels right, you know, and, and it it's there's something going on. You can go out and see original music, and it doesn't have to be from out of state, and it doesn't have to be something fancy. And I think you're going to get the same substance, and you're going to get the same quality, and it's just it's right in your backyard. And I think once people truly figure that out, you're really going to have something special, you know. And I think people are starting to understand it. I just don't think they fully understand what they have around them right now. Right. Well, I think over the last decade, Mile of Music has definitely helped in that. It didn't hurt. Right. Yeah. I was around before Mile of Music, and it is a night and day difference for an original songwriter and performer. I mean, it's a night and day difference in the last 10 years um, from going from people, you know, wanting you to shut up you know, play covers to signing stuff that you won't play any covers. <laughs> it's like, you would have told me that 10 years ago, I said, you're nuts, you know, but there's certain venues, um, even in Green Bay, that we're not allowed to play any covers at. And to me, that's, that's pretty amazing. It is. Well, I want to go to another track here, and this time I want to do it from the Poor Town Proper album. The song is called The Ghost of Chesapeake. To my ear, it has a sound that's stripped down, and yet it's so full. Plus, the music and the words really complement each other really well. What's the story behind this one? Um, so, Poor Town Proper is, that's uh, Luke Heckle on drums and Woody Larson on guitar. And Mark Goldie is, I, I forget if there's uh, keys or organ on that song or not, I I want to say there isn't, but I could be wrong. That was a song that I wrote after watching a movie. The one with Johnny Depp is John Dillinger. Are they? Uh, they filmed, filmed it in Oshkosh, yeah. In Oshkosh and, and Little Bohemia. It was after watching that. So it was kind of a take on uh, Dillinger and his girlfriend, you know, um, except this takes place in. Uh, Chesapeake Bay area <laughs> instead of here. But yeah, I remember writing that song, you know, all, all the songs that I write are, are done on an acoustic guitar, like just acoustic guitar and my vocal. And then I will record those and I will send those to whoever's playing on that. I don't tell them what to play. I give it to them and I let them do their job. And so the guitar, that's that's all Woody Larson. The drum, that's all Luke Heckle. And when you surround yourself with the right people, I guess you get a good product, you know. And to me, that album, I will say it's the finest recorded album in my collection. I mean, it's just, in my eyes, it's perfect, you know, recording and sonically. I'm really, really proud of that album. That and, and Long Drive to Nowhere, you know, are, are recorded very well. Yeah, 
that speaks to Mark Goldie's production style and in the studio that he has. And yeah, boy, he's turned out a lot of good stuff. He's done a lot of great, like Amelia Ford that was recorded at Rock Garden. She got, you know, album of the year. Right. And, uh, it's just doing some really great albums are coming out of there. My buddy Brad Bordini is recording one right now there. And, I'm fortunate enough to get to hear some of the stuff he's been working on so far. And it's, I mean, it's amazing. People are, they're going to love it. Well, this is from the album Poor Town Proper. This is The Ghost of Chesapeake. Do 
Now, Kurt, I'm curious, where does the name Poor Town Proper come from? <laughs> it's kind of a funny story, yeah. So the whole project, I guess, would be, it kind of started as a joke, but it's uh, Genesis, I guess, came at the Dr. Jekyll's in Appleton in the beer garden. We were at Milo Music maybe three years ago, four years ago, something like that. And we were in the beer garden. It was midday. I had done some shows in the morning and I had some shows in the evening. And so I kind of found myself day drinking at, at Dr. Jekyll's. And um, I had a friend that was there with his girlfriend. And she was from uh, somewhere in North Carolina, maybe. And she had said something. I'm trying to think how she put it. She's like, I was born in a poor town, but we were raised very proper. And I go back to what I said earlier, how I take, observe something, take it, and use it. And um, I just liked the way that that rolled. And uh, I remember saying to her, I said, well, that makes you poor town proper, doesn't it? And that was pretty much the beginning of the band that I didn't even have yet. I had the name. And I wanted to do something different. It was originally supposed to be a country album. Um, I wasn't going to tell anyone it was me. I was just going to release it and see what happened. You know, like uh, if anyone would even notice or if it would, you know, it was kind of like just a game. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, and you know, I, I wrote the tunes, not thinking very hard on them just uh rolling with uh whatever came up not overthinking anything uh wrote this batch of tunes reached out to the guys that i really uh wanted to do something with asked them if they would be interested in doing it they said absolutely sent them the songs we went in and recorded it and uh, it was just too good not to make it its own band so it's it's kind of like there's Ryan Adams and then there's Ryan Adams and the Cardinals. Like these, these guys are like the Cardinals. So it's a separate band, but it's, you know, it isn't kind of thing. Right. And then, you know, we released our album and we did a couple shows and then COVID hit and you know, all that goes. Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> so Kurt, what's in your immediate future as far as any kind of recording projects, gigging? Um, gigging is, uh, I've got a few things left in August. Um, I kind of quit uh, booking after COVID. Like I just couldn't, it's the end of the business that I absolutely loathe and can't stand is the sitting in front of a computer or whatever and emailing a hundred people and getting two responses back. So I just kind of quit doing that. And so I just sort of take what comes my way and whoever they ask for is what the show will be. Like if they, if someone emails me and says, I want girl on the gun, then that's what I do. You know, if someone emails me and says, I want to, I want a full band. I'll, I'll try to make that happen with those guys. They're all in, you know, 18 other bands, but yeah, I just sort of roll with it. It's worked out nice. I'm not as busy, I guess, as I, if I was pounding the pavement looking for shows, but 
So near future, yeah. If anyone's out there and wants to book me, I'm looking. Like I have no shows in September, so <laughs> I'm kind of looking to fill that void. But um, albums, uh, Amanda and I have been talking about trying to uh, put one out. Hopefully sooner than later. I did record an album and didn't release it. I had a person over COVID, uh, anonymous person donated me some money at rock garden studio and i went in and recorded a bunch of songs straight to analog tape which i had never done before so that was kind of fun but i have not done anything with that yet so that's kind of sitting there i have probably two albums worth of decent songs that i could work with if i wanted to i guess i have breathing room <laughs> you know i don't have to really work too hard right now the songs kind of aren't there right now, so I, I've got stuff to fall back on, which is nice. It's something I learned from Stephen King. You know, he said, when, when you're on a hot streak and, like, when the muse is in town, just write, you know, write, 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 until you can't anymore and, it, and things start being bad, then you know you're done, you know. And so Stephen King would do that. He would write a novel and maybe write four novels and he'd you throw three of them in the desk drawer and then on a rainy day when you you really your publisher's knocking on the door you throw one of those at them and that's kind of what i've been doing my whole career is never stopping writing and always saving my song bank account is is flush so there's always something that can happen right well, Kurt, thanks for being my guest on today's show. And before yeah. we sign off, uh, where can folks find you online, get your music, and see you live? I always just tell people, if you Google my name, you'll, you'll get everything you need. I have a website. It's nothing fancy. It's just KurtGunn.com. It'll take you to Bandcamp, where obviously I have, what did you say, 13? Yeah, 13, 13 projects. There. Yeah, so 13 choices. Um, I'm on Spotify and Apple Music or whatever it's called and all those things. And CDs are uh, available wherever I'm playing. I did update my show schedule, so my website is, for the first time in years, I think completely up to date right now. Yeah, so I'm out there. I'm not too hard to find. Facebook, all the regular things. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, again, thank you so much for being my guest today and yeah, thank all you the for best to you. And again, folks, my guest today has been singer-songwriter Kurt Gunn. And I really encourage you to check out his website, check out his music. You're in for a treat. Tune in to the next Into the Music as I welcome the husband and wife disc jockey team of James and Beth Riley, who I believe you're going to really enjoy. Take care, and we'll catch you the next time we get into the music. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Into the Music. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and odyssey.com. Drop us a line on our socials or email us at intothemusic at newprojectx.com. This show is copyright 2023 Project X Productions. Join us next time we get into the music. God bless and take care, everybody.